Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2. All Ricky ever wanted was a little kindness. Very, very naughty. And all he ever got was pain. Now he wants revenge. And this time... Garbage day! He's going to get it. Step by step. Weapon by weapon. Victim by victim. The terror's coming home. And he's all grown up. Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2. I've got a present for you! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Real Talk, a movie podcast. We are your go-to source for ratings and recommendations of past and present films. I am your host, Wes Jones, podcasting from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Hey, this is Tommy, podcasting straight from Nashville, Tennessee. The movie buddy Conway, podcasting from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Hello, Real Talk listeners. Thank you for hitting the download button on this episode. I promise you won't be disappointed. Tonight, we're continuing our interview series, and I'm so very excited to have this guest. We've explored films that have reached cult status or have a cult following on the show before, and I told you at that time that there are three films that I felt were head and shoulders above the rest of the films that sometimes get labeled as So Bad It's Good or Cult Classics. Troll 2 being one of them, which you can check out our episode archives. We interviewed Troll 2 lead actor George Hardy. There's also Tommy Wiseau's The Room from 2004 and the sequel to the 1984 Santa Claus killer slasher film Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. And that movie is why we're here tonight. You know, these three films, they are truly the pinnacle of the genre. I love each of them so much. Each has such a unique story behind it. And with that said, I think you can understand why I'm so excited about this episode. We're joined tonight by actor Eric Freeman, who just so happens to play Ricky Codwell, the lead character in 1987's Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, whom the internet world also recognized from the very famous Garbage Day meme and gifts. So, Eric, thank you so very much for being with us tonight. How's things going? Good. Thanks, Wes, buddy. I appreciate it. Wow. You know, the introduction, you always, uh, for me, it's like 1987. <laughs> Although, it feel, I know, it feels like yesterday, but it, God, it was eons ago, wasn't it? And uh, I'm so lucky. I'm, I'm very lucky to uh, that anyone even remembers it. I, actually, I kind of, for years, thank God they forgot it. But, but <laughs> in a sense, uh, no, thanks. Thanks for having me. And, um, you know, I did what I did. It's uh, Caldwell. <laughs> Eric, I gotta say, and our audience can't see you, but you know, in the in the movie, you're quite buff, and it looks like you've been working out quite a bit here in, uh, in person. Have you been working out daily? I mean, you staying in shape? Uh, yeah, no, I, I I try, I try, I um, yeah, I work out. 
I've kept it up. Well, in a short, in short, I, I took many, I took a couple of decades off from working out because I was pretty beat up. I, I hurt myself quite a bit in the, in early in my life, uh, working out, but I, I never, I never, every day was like, God, I got to get in work out. I, but I was in a lot of pain, but I, I just said, fuck it. <laughs> a couple of years ago, I got back into it and I just kind of bounced right back into it. So yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks. Eric, I've gotten to know you a little bit over the last couple of weeks and, you know, you just seem like just such a, just a normal, just down to earth, just regular guy. What's it like after all these years to still be associated with this movie and more specifically this character, Ricky? I mean, do you understand why it's so appealing to people 30 plus years later? No, I don't understand why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, look, I'm, it's me, so it's hard to... Uh... You know, I, I think I would enjoy it more as a fan. Like, what a nut. <laughs> I love this guy. <laughs> but since I did it, and, you know, it's like it's hard. It's kind of like how many actors really go and watch the dailies or the what you shoot for the day or the, the rushes, as they used to call them. Uh, not many. They don't really want to see themselves. So that 50% of me is like, oh, God, no. You know, it's like <laughs> garlic to uh, to Dracula or something. But um and the other half was like, wow, what a, you know, he was over the top. He's scenery chewing. He's uh, so bad. He's good. But, you know, the thing is, there was a lot of energy with that character and there's a lot of energy in that movie. And so had it been a boring portrayal of scenery chewing and, <laughs> and over the top, it would have just like really died an evil death. But I think what carried it was he's got a likability, you know, uh, the characters, just people like this. You can I? It's so bad. I got to watch more of this. But he's he's good. He's so bad. <laughs> so it's this devil and angel thing. I think on people's shoulders. Like wow, <laughs> can it get worse? <laughs> yeah, but it's good. <laughs> so, yes, I love the way that you said that. And you know what makes these movies? We have three of them that Wes just named. We had uh, George cool. Hardy on the on the on the show, and we have you. And you guys have just such an energy and you can just tell if we saw if i saw you out i would want to talk to you for a long period of time because you have a likable energy and i think you have to have that to make these lightning in the bottle type movies i, yeah. I hope I agree. yeah <laughs> I, oh, thank you i uh, what can i say i uh, you know that was a weird shoot anyhow it's just <laughs> very um it was it was uh, very uh, qu quickly casted and uh, and i was asked to you know, I think I nailed that or got it finally on a Thursday and we were shooting on Tuesday kind of thing. And so it was very quick in the in the making of this and a uh, lot of a lot of a lot of negatives on the set in the sense of um, directionless in, in what I was doing. But um, and there wasn't any day there wasn't any videotape playback. Or, or, or any, any, any taping at all to see what we were doing, or there wasn't, they weren't going, the, Lee Harry and the producers weren't going and looking at rushes at night to see about what they shot. It was, it was um, truly guerrilla filmmaking in the day. And to my point is, is that most of the sound on that movie had to be redone, the ADR. I had to get into the booth uh, a week or so later and put headphones on and be in this plexiglass booth and look at my 
own look at what I was doing, this complete nutball <laughs> on the screen. I have to like throw dialogue back into my mouth. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> you know, what did I create here? <laughs> so <laughs> even I was shocked. Like, how am I going to do this? That <laughs> so, was the hardest work in the world. I swear. I was like, how do I seem? You know, I kept saying, what did I say? <laughs> give, give me the, what did I say? <laughs> Cause I had to kind of throw it back in and it was, that was hard. So uh, people don't even know that there was a sound problems. There was all sorts of problems, but I'll leave it. I'm not making excuses. I, I, I was off, off the chain. So, so well, this started as a basis point. I, I, not my best work, but, <laughs> but it was fun, I guess. Well, truth be told, I've, I've wanted to talk to you for some time, and I had to call in a couple of favors in order to even get in contact with you. So I want to shout out Sean Davis from the Land of the Creeps podcast and Justin Beam, who works for Scream and Shout Factory, for just helping this interview come together. And Eric, you, you gave us just a little bit of a, a tidbit there, but just take us back. Tell us the story. Like, how did you even get involved with Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 and land this role? You know, you talked about how... You you went to a couple of uh, auditions for it. You got it on a Thursday. You were shooting on a Tuesday. But how did you even get to that point? Take us back to the very beginning. Well, thank you. I, I'll try not to be long-winded, but I will probably end up being so. Just give me the, give me the hook here. But was knocking around as an actor doing this and that. And um, there was a, call it a, a circular. It was a dollar fifty. It was called Dramalog. And it was a you know 10 or 20 page little pamphlet you could buy once a week that would tell you it basically was a lot of actors materials like where to get headshots or where to you know where to get this or that um just a lot of advertisements for actors but in there was always some casting call thing in the back page or second to back page and and in the in the silent night deadly night um there was an ad saying untitled horror film casting in burbank and that's um, how it all started. I saw that and I I was savvy enough to know that it would probably everything was cast that was um, important. But um, I thought I should go and say, what the heck? And it was basically just uh, across the street from Warner Brothers there in Burbank, a little bit more up the street, a little bit from Warner's, but um, called Lejean Studios. It was uh, run by Larry Applebaum. He's the producer of SNDN2. And Larry had two employees that worked for him, um, an edit both editors, Lee Harry and Joe Earl. And Lee, um, I met the, I went up there and it was a casting call. So a lot of folks. And I read for um, one of the cops. Actually, it was a very, it was a low key role. It was one of the cops. I think he's, it's when Caldwell has a gun to his head and he's going to take himself out and, 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 uh, the cop says, no, don't do it. Or some, yeah. Right. And, uh, that's what I read for. And it's, it's no, so don't do it. For. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I read and I, you know, wow, this is nothing. So, <laughs> um, cause you, you, you spend a lot of time doing this and I was like, wow, can I read for something else? But I, I was leaving and I saw Lee there at the table and he was looking over the crowd. And I, I just asked, I said, thank you very much. appreciate it. Uh, uh, do you know who's got the lead? And he said, uh, and then Joe Earl, his partner, kind of spoke up real quickly. Well, we, we've got that nailed down. Thank you very much. And then Lee kind of looked at me and said, 
yeah, we think we got that locked up, but thanks for coming. And I said, no, thank you. Appreciate it. Left. And um, wow. I went home and I was in a house I was restoring, um, old house, uh, had a dial up phone and an old answering machine, the kind, the size of like a, well, it's like huge, oh, you know. <laughs> foot by foot, dual cassette tapes, you know, the, the old answering machines, right? Uh, and uh, that was my office. So I was Mr. Cool. I had, oh, I had everything. I could even remotely call my answering machine <laughs> with from a phone booth. And uh, <laughs> I was I was Mr. Cool. And uh, but about two or three days later, I get a call and it's from Lee. And he said, uh, it's uh, Lee Harry. And um, you read for... Uh, horror film and bourbon i said yeah i remember i think thanks lee what, what's up and he said we we want to we're looking at you for another role could you come in and so that's the way it started and i i, I know i'm going back a ways but that's how it came to be i went down and read um for the bloom stuff the psychiatrist business in the beginning of the movie not really knowing what this was about and then they kind of filled me in they, they kind of threw me in the deep water here's some sides could we, could we read this, get it on tape? And uh, and then they kind of filled me in what this was. He said, well, this is the lead of the movie. And this was, uh, he's in in sanitarium and uh, psychiatric center, whatever. Um, so they kind of let me know what was going on after the fact. But I don't think they really wanted to fill me in quite uh, to the point I would have liked to before I read, just to see how I would do. And um, so I read, and that was that. And then got called back again, and they said, Eric, we, we like you for the lead. That's what Lee called again, and on the same phone, same situation. And, uh, and I said, well, what about this other guy? And, um, and it, I've, his name will come to me, but he's, he's somewhat well-known in the business. And, but he, he was locked on this thing. So they said, well, what happened from what I know is Larry Applebaum – he was a very forward guy from New York, so he was just very matter-of-fact. But Larry liked me. Joe absolutely didn't want me. They wanted uh, David Hevener, David Hevener. And and um, and Lee was – Lee and Joe had just read uh, Stephen King's The Stand, this uh, book, and they were really looking for this character, much like that was in The Stand, and they were – they were really kind of, they liked what Havener was doing. And Joe even said, uh, I liked what Havener was doing the uh, audition. He was really crazy and nuts. And he was just doing all these weird things and physical mannerisms. And so it kind of threw me off of thinking, well, because they told me my auditions were really kind of tame. They weren't, um, they, they, they just, they didn't think I um, gave enough. And so, so I, uh, I spun, I said, <laughs> you showed them, you showed I showed them. them. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll show you. So, uh, uh, yeah, so <laughs> that's the way that went. And, um, but I got it and it was like a Thursday. And so, you know, we're shooting Tuesday. Monday was, um, dedicated to the younger Ricky and Daryl and, uh, to get, um, his scenes and the going to the cemetery with his mother and all this. So there was that day. And then uh, of the, uh, I think it was seven days total. I shot for five. So there was the first day Monday and then mine was Tuesday. 
through Saturday, I believe. And then they shot, I think, on the following Monday or possibly Sunday. You know, and it was it was Sunday. They shot Sunday at this Ribs USA in Burbank, um, which was where Chip, the guy I electrocute with the um, <laughs> with, with, with the, 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 the yeah, they, they he worked at Ribs USA. Um, and so Ribs, he talked Ribs into uh, letting uh, Lee shoot in the back um, parking lot behind the behind the establishment uh, to do like the phone booth stuff and some other things, um, pickups and things. So yeah, that's the way that went down and uh, how I got it. And, and I hope I wasn't too long winded. Well, I, uh, no. Wes threw my word in, he threw George out there for me. So I'll give it to you. You're thinking of jumper cables. And I was wondering, <laughs> have you had trouble getting, you know, somebody to help you jump your car ever since you shot that scene? <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny um i i just jumped someone like a couple weeks ago but they don't know <laughs> they don't... <laughs> that would have been awesome if they would have recognized you and been like oh uh, uh no we're, we're good we'll wait for the next person <laughs> buddy it's funny it wouldn't be funny like well we could make this garbage day <laughs> i'll jump your car i'll electrocute you and take your car <laughs> so... No, it's, uh, I appreciate the question because it's it, it illuminates a lot. I didn't go down there. I didn't get the lead right off. I I was brazen. I, I, I came forth and said, you know, hey, you know. But I did look a lot like that younger Ricky. I, I was yes. in decent shape. And I think Larry kind of said, hey, this guy's more commercial than your guy. Heavener, he, he looks like he could hurt people, <laughs> you know. Why not go with him? Who cares? It's a hundred thousand dollar movie. Who cares? You know, it's like this guy's perfect. You know, so uh, um, I can't say what he said, but I can imagine Larry just going, you know, look at the guy. Come on, man, <laughs> fucking hire him. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it's awesome. Yeah. I think it shows. I think it shows Moxie like going up there to the director and doing it, and I think it adds to the story because most people wouldn't do that. No, no I think that, that's good, you, Eric. You gave us the exact story that we were looking for again that we would never know without you you know getting into it my old lady couldn't afford to send me to college so i got a job the movie itself it's so memorable for a lot of reasons and one of the major highlights is of course this character of ricky that you were able to create and from my understanding you know while filming you had maybe the director or the producer or somebody who was just kind of really pushing you to try to get, you know, more and more wild and over the top, which is, I think, where all the, like, the scowling and the eyebrow raising and the maniacal laughter, all that kind of stuff. Walk us through the process of creating Ricky. You know, where did this character come from? You know, it was like the, it, I, I may have mentioned it, it felt like the deep end of the pool, just how quick it all was going down. And uh, prior to that, getting that, and I was, my energies were toward, um, I just got an AFTRA and I was, I, I, I wasn't quite in SAG or maybe I was, I was just at that cusp. It was very hard to get the unions. And what I was shooting for is where I'm going is I wanted to be on a soap opera. There was a lot of dialogue. I used to do a lot of extra work on all the soaps and all, a lot of extra work up to that point. And that was like a taboo for an act. Oh, you're not supposed to do extra work. But I didn't look at it like that. I was on the set of some very popular television shows. I wasn't sitting in a green room, you know, watching 90210, complaining about how long I've been here. I was on the set watching 
Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepherd. I was on the soap operas watching these three camera live tapings and with 30 pages of dialogue. So my my point is, is I wanted to be on a soap because they were written well. And I said, geez, I, I'm really good for this. I'm, I, I would be perfect. And um, so I was constantly applying, you know, trying to get the, the casting directors and, you know, uh, submitting and submitting, as it said. But uh, the point is, I didn't have a lot of um, respect for what what was about to happen. The, the movie, adding some footage to it, so on and so on. It wasn't I wasn't nervous at all and i think a lot of that and and you know you guys stay in shape you understand that um my whole thing of the background of being very physical of and and bodybuilding and it gave me a lot of presence and um i didn't have any problem with being assertive and saying who's got the lead or i didn't i i I, and i and i was very matter of fact when i was younger of what I wanted and what I didn't want. And this wasn't something I really cared about. It was $1,500. It was five days. We were adding footage to an original movie and making it lighter and then, you know, and then putting it back out there. So I really didn't come into it nervously as I should have been. I, but I must say, I think I had a lot of nervousness in that VA stuff that I wish uh, Lee could have pointed out because I think I had a lot of internal I know where that eyebrow business and just the overacting, the the animation came from it more internal. I didn't even know I was doing it for for lack of a better word because it was just I was just busting with the energy, and I was trying. It was a controlled situation of, uh, you know, sit here, do this. You have to get up and go to the bar windows, and you have to go over here. You have, you have to walk around, and I was very stiff, and physically stiff, as you can tell. I mean, I was. It all works for the character, but the reality was I was just hard as a brick. I was working out every day. I was just didn't care about what I was doing in the sense that, and I, I wasn't disrespecting the work or anything. I, it's just, I think you guys can understand where I was coming from. It's like, uh, you know, money was great. 1500 bucks, five days. Wow, good. I'll pay the bills. But it wasn't what I wanted to be doing when I was in with Jim Newman and the, the, the Dr. Bloom I was just going through these paces of doing this, doing that, and all these setups and whatever. But I, I overacted it to the hill in a lot of areas, and I wish I didn't. But I wish I would have saved Caldwell for more select times of the movie. But I was pretty much out bonkers from stem to stern. There was only a few <laughs> areas where I wasn't. But for that, I apologize. But in the sense, you know, the, the movie has got to have some staying power, and it does, and I don't know why, but I would assume because they like this guy and um, Garbage Day and, you know. So how how did I come into it? My Wes, if I had to answer you two guys, get the dialogue down. I didn't have any trouble memorizing it because that's what I worked on. I didn't have any time to flesh out some character and work it out. We're, we're shooting on Tuesday very early, uh, got to be over at the, um, it was uh, in West Los Angeles. It was the VA. We, we used an old building at, at the VA, just a rundown old building. And But there wasn't time for doing anything. So I guess to answer it, get the dialogue down, show up, and don't fuck up too bad. <laughs> what, what was the, that was the formula for me. Uh, I, I would have, in, in your story, like, you got cast as the lead actor in a movie. I wouldn't have thought much about it. I would have thought I just made it, even though, I mean, 1500 bucks. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from there. But, I mean, 
was was there any of that thought process like hey this could be my big break no and, and, and no and, and definitively no and i in i've been on pan- <laughs> i've been on panels with many no and it's a it, absolutely a great question and i think you're right when you look at this you are absolutely correct wow i've got my break finally the reason i say no and and i didn't even think that way is because it was it would be foolish to think that this would be this would lead to something or in the it never worked like that it never it how can i put it you would be damn lucky to get any scenes from that movie or any television show you do back then if you could be lucky enough to cajole somebody or you could tape it yourself if it's on television if you could get it just to have some film on yourself i wasn't thinking anything of a grand nature. I was on a panel with, um, I forgot her name, Lynn from Black Christmas. I was on a panel with Robert Brian Wilson and, um, and the other gentleman from, um, God, that he played a Santa, he played a animated, uh, uh, snowman. What was his name? Scott McDonald is his name. I forgot that he, it was a snowman that came alive. Uh, yeah, Jack, uh, Frost. Jack Frost. Jack okay. Frost. Okay, so I'm on with Jack Frost and Robert Bryan and Lynn from Black Christmas, and we're in a panel. Asked that same question, in a sense, like what did you, and I and I and I wasn't getting asked any questions because Scott McDonald is very loquacious and he was talking the whole time. And before he could pipe up on, you know, did you guys think you were going to be stars from these movies? I just absolutely said no. And then they, uh, everybody came to, you know, I'll send. The, I got to speak, <laughs> and, and and I said I can speak for everybody on this panel, and I and I say it right now. And they all agreed that that we didn't think anything. It was just we're just a gun for hire. We're doing a job. We're you know lucky to get it, and then we're moving on. And we nobody had this idea we could become something from Jack Frost or SNDN or Black Christmas. In fact, Lynn had said in the back room we were like behind backstage waiting to come on, and the host had said, uh, "Oh, we're going to introduce these these." These famous actors from the blah, blah, blah. And she goes, and Lynn so-and-so from Black Christmas. And Lynn's back, you know, see, he was going on about how Lynn's performance was so great and grand. He's just waxing poetically for a half an hour about Lynn. And then Lynn's going, oh, Christ, I sat in a freezing attic for three days and it sucked. And, and you know, that was her response to this guy blabbering on about how great she was. But, <laughs> You know, and we just laughed and we said, yeah, you know, they don't know the adversity of what was, you know, she sat and froze her ass off for three days, you know, hating life. And who, who's to say 40 years later, it's black Christmas. Mm. I mean, yeah, so that makes a lot um, of sense. It's always, you know, the food's bad. The hours are long. You do the work. You hope it'll, you can get some footage. That's all we ever thought about. I was out collecting reels of work, of pieces of work. That's Mm. all I cared about. And um, like, okay, I got the, this is I could show an agent this that I, I I've been on the uh, you know I I, I have um, a movie I did here I have television I did here I did you know all this and that so that's so but you're you are absolutely right that I should have thought wow I'm gonna be a star I'm on my way but too many letdowns prior too many things that yeah. didn't pan out prior so don't get me wrong it's not sour grapes it's just the reality of it's like. You go on 99 editions, you get one. Um, so it's like, okay, get kicked in the teeth today, but there'll be something you'll learn is mm-hmm. kind of how I, mm-hmm. uh, what's the silver lining in this cloud of wasting my day up in Burbank? <clears throat> As I did, I wasted my time in Burbank initially for this movie, but it 
by me speaking up. But buddy, you're right. Um, overall, you'd look at this like, God, I got a movie, fifteen hundred bucks, five days. Um, I'm gonna be somebody. <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> well, I, I, honestly, you you have uh, I have lower standards, I guess, than you. Like that, I would have been like, I did it, I did it. I'm famous. I have one movie out there that's, but you, you know, you, you went the, you went the long haul with this. You tend to get paranoid when everyone around you gets dead. Let me ask you another question. And I, this is what the fans really want to know. What movie do you watch to get in the Christmas spirit every year, Eric? I, I always have my go-to and it's usually Die Hard. <laughs> but, um, oh, yeah. And you listen to our Die Hard episode too that you told did, me. Yeah, that's right. I did. I did. <laughs> oh, wow. Eric did this. He attacked me on the show. I, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. It's fair. No, no. Look, last night I watched um, It's a Good Day to Die Hard. Um, it's a great I, I don't movie. know which one that is, three or four or five, but uh, with uh, Jai Courtney and uh, whatever. It's, it's mm -hmm. Bruce Willis. A Good what, Day to that, Die Hard, yep. Yeah, Good Day to Die Hard. That movie, and, and I mean, all the way around, the, the action and the, that thing's even a, that's a better movie in, in many senses. Um, maybe people say no, but. I mean, you talk about action from stem to stern on a movie. There was so much money in that. I watched the credits. That thing went up. That was like eight minutes of credits. I was like, shit, how many how many hundreds of millies were in this movie? But the <laughs> point is, I like Die Hard. I like, it is a Christmas movie because it's... They, <laughs> so, Eric, I think you're missing my point. My whole argument was Die Hard's such a good movie. You shouldn't limit it to Christmas. It could be an anytime movie. You could watch it for Easter for all that matters. <laughs> I'm going to go up and watch it, you know, for the fact that my son's asleep in six, you know. So, you know, you can just watch it for any occasion. And and I agree. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't mean to get off on Die Hard. Other than what do I do to get in the mood? Um, that's hard to say. Uh, the, I am more action oriented. If people ask what's my favorite horror film, I'm, I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, I couldn't tell you that. I've never seen any of the Nightmare on Elm Streets. I've never seen them. I was like, what? Yeah, I should be dismissed. Someone give him the hook. But, but, Wes uh, is frustrated right now. Yeah, like, are you kidding? What, what's wrong with you? I, I just haven't. There's a whole thing I haven't seen. And when I sit down and eventually watch them, I'm going to go, God, what did I miss out on? I should, could have watched this 10 years ago. Let me ask you this. How many times have you seen Silent Night, Deadly Night 2? Not many. Not many at all. Because it's me, but... I did see it in a the theater years ago when it came out. I was in Culver's. I didn't know it played at Grauman's Chinese up there on the strip on the Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah. But it did play in, in Culver City, which I found in the paper. I just kind of kept my eyes open. Lee did say they were going to try to get it out quickly from, you know, so they, I went down and saw him at, at editing the movie once at, at Le Jean and asked Joe if I could get some tape on it. And he told me to go get some, scotch uh three quarter inch tape two big they're like big big ass uh huge video they look like vhs's but they're massive and get two of these things and it was like a hundred dollars and i was like wow hundred dollars and um but i gave it to him and that was the state of the art and he duped the movie for me and um but they, through that i learned that it might be coming out fairly soon so i kept abreast uh looking through the paper and and uh uh, I saw it in the theater on my own, and um, that's where and I was. Stole that the my first own. time you saw it, Eric? Yeah, <laughs> when you went to the theater. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a year urban type of theater. They were yelling at the screen a lot, and um, it, it was half packed, half 
half full, yeah, maybe a little more. more. And uh, eh, they were yelling a lot at the screen, like, don't go in there, are you fool? <laughs> so, but I, I had my, my, my poster was there uh, in the lobby as I came out and I tore it off the wall and rolled it up because <laughs> I didn't have anything. I didn't have anything to say I did it other than two tapes, you know, and, and I thought, well, I'm stealing this. And uh, <laughs> some guy saw me do it. And he's like, hey, he, and he looked, he goes, you're the guy. And I said, yeah, I'm the guy. He goes, why, why, why are you here, man? Kind of, I was like, hey, you know, you don't understand. It was, uh, you know, $1,500, you know, kicked to the curb. And, and uh, so that kind of, I'm, I'm encapsulating how the movie beginning and then the end where I have to go in my own theater, and, you know, and suffer through it and steal my own. <laughs> posters <laughs> so <laughs> yeah i would have been, i would have taken my own poster and i'm i'd be lying even if if i if i was in this movie eric i'd have watched it at least 15 times on my own naughty eric well, what did what did you think whenever the movie ended or even during it while you're watching i know you said the crowd was a little rambunctious and kind of making a lot of noise but you know, what were you thinking as you were watching it? Oh, well, you know, if I years later would be better way to to analyze it later, looking at it. And it was not many years ago, six, seven, six years ago. I may have looked at it where I bought the the two pack, the SND and SND and two uh, CD. And, uh, you know, I, I found out not long ago about Facebook, uh, you know, finding Freeman and all these YouTube things and garbage day. But I, I looked at it again, I guess, and think, and it's hard for me to, as I may have said earlier, to look at my work and look at that like, wow. And, you know, I, I think first thing I thought is, God, thank God I was so young because I remember seeing my head on the in, in the theater and it's like those extreme close-ups. I mean, my head might, might've been 35 feet wide uh, on the screen at some of those points. And, uh, and, um, you know, I thought, well, good thing I was young, but because that would have been a fright night, <laughs> you know, done today. <laughs> but, um, but overall, I, I didn't like what I did. Clearly, who would? Even if you even if it was a great, you know, Michael Caine performance, let's say I put in and you'd still even Michael Caine, if he did a Michael Caine performance in 87 and looked at his same work in the he would have probably had things to gripe about, like, oh, that was some crap, you know, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. So um, you can see where I, hard to look at. But I did see where I wanted to go, I guess, is when I we got into the Mother Superior and seeing, seeing going into the, the house and all that, I started realizing that if I separated myself from the character and looked at it, I said, well, this guy's kind of entertaining. This is kind of fun. <laughs> He's yeah. out of control. You know? <laughs> so there was a point where I thought, hey, this is fun. It's uh, I could see where people would want to get completely a whiskey in their hand, maybe a joint and every <laughs> Christmas and watch it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I could, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. I, if it's not me, I'd actually have fun with it. It's like, wow, you know, this eggnog <laughs> tastes pretty good right now. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, kind of thing. So, but because it's me, I'm like, well, you know, but I, I, but buddy is very kind in the sense that he's, he's saying, Hey, it was mine. I'd watch it 20 times. I, I made my mark. I, I'm a has been, but a happy has been. And, and 
fuck you. You know? (laughs) Well, I mean, I mean, seriously, like I'm a happy go lucky kind of person. Like Wes will tell you this. I mean, I don't care if you're laughing. The energy was awesome. You can't not look at you in that, in that performance. You make the movie. And I don't mean that as a downplay on anybody else, but it's, it's entertaining. And that, very few people can do that. Very few people can carry like that good of a performance. And it's, I'd be happy with it. I mean, I feel like you did it spectacular. I mean, you know, but I have low goals, Eric. You've got to understand. I want, I'm okay with becoming an internet meme. If I get it, become an internet meme, I'm done. You are like basically my hero. So, you know, maybe just lower goals, I guess. No, you're very kind. <laughs> look, I have to be self-deprecating on this one, but no, I would look, I'm not, touting my own horn but yeah the he had I, I i had some presence in this thing i say he like i'm kind of third person but <laughs> look i had um that the background the athletic background was what gave me the anchor to i had presence any room i walked into for any casting i took I, I took charge and that's that's the way it is when you walk in when you're straight and you have good posture and you and you know you you know it, it, people just notice you and it's, it's not, you know, it's like, whoa. And I, I got to say that there's a lot of, there's an energetic field around people when they come in. When, when Like, buddy, if I bet you, you'd, or Wes, it would be, you, you got an energy about you. And, and when I come into a room, it's like, you know, in a general sense, it's like, wow, wow. <laughs> um, what just hit, what, what's this force field that hit me? Because it, it was uh, self-assuredness, you know, I guess, if anything. So, there's something in that character that you can easily say, you know, you can say, well, he's a, he was a bad bodybuilder and he's a, and that's the only, you know, it's got, but it's the presence of that character and the energy that is just magnetic. And it is magnetic. Even I can admit it to myself. It's like, wow, he's magnetic as hell. And uh, I'm not saying it in any arrogant way. Cause I'm not an arrogant guy. I, uh, I got a lot of, you know, I know where I belong, but, uh, yeah, in that sense, it, it was pulled off. Um, I, I gave I, I for everything I did bad. You can't take your eyes off that guy. So nope. <laughs> take us back to to the set and from the extras that I've seen and just some of the interviews. It seemed like it was a fun set to be on. You got to work with the beautiful Elizabeth Catan, who is a bit of a scream queen in her own right. You know, she was in another movie I really like, Friday the Thirteenth. The New Blood. Tell us what it was like on the set of this wild movie. Any any stories that stick out that you that you tell our audience? No, Liz was great, and it's a it's a good point. Um, very pretty, very down to earth. Came showed up on in a white t shirt, um, just uh, you know, worn out blue jeans and and like they were like UGG boots, you know, like those UGGs. And uh, so she just showed up and. $20 worth of clothes, very pretty, thick blonde hair. I met her, was it day one or two? They, I met, well, I, th- I think it was the first day. We had the uh, the bungalow, the kind of the, the sex thing that was really kind of tame I, um, and, and very reserved. But it wasn't a script, Wes, in the sense that there was just these individual sides that really it was the movie was like a Rubik's cube. There wasn't a script I was given. There was just these pages of this and pages of this and pages of that with no continuity, no context to the, what was Lee had made the point. He said, you know, the only two that really knew what was going on in me and Joe was like a Rubik's cube that we had to 
keep clicking and clicking until he got the, the colors right. And um, the point is, is I showed up that day and with these little pieces of paper of what we got to say, and there wasn't a lot, there was just descriptions and exposition of Caldwell and, and, uh, and I forgot her name, but not Liz, but the character, but you know, it's just these sex scenes. And, but I knew I would be naked in front of a pile of people. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and I, and we're in this little kind of cottage and, uh, there's a little ante room. It was really a bathroom, uh, not a full bathroom, but a, a little bathroom on the side. And I'm, I'm in there and I, I had the foresight to know what I was up for. And I said, well, if anyone's going to be naked, it'll be me. I'm the one that's got to, you know, she's going to be covered. Well, I said, fuck it. You know? And so I had this vodka in my bag and I thought, you know, I'm kind of, I, you know, I said, I wasn't nervous, but in this case I was like, God, you know, Lee said it was going to be just three of us and uh, Harvey Jenkins and, uh, but they were all looking to see what they wanted to see. And so there, everybody (laughs) was piled in there and, 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 and and Lee and Joe and, and Larry Applebaum and Harvey Jenkins and a bunch of crew people. And of course you got your sound and everyone's there. (laughs) And uh, so I'm in the bathroom going, oh hell. So I'm, I just pounded back a bunch of vodka and uh, probably half the bottle. And it's like, all right, fuck it. You know, and I knew I'd be naked or not naked. So I just came, I walked out naked. <laughs> so, so it was, you know, and, and Harvey said, oh, the kid's not half bad. And so I always remember that because it was such an icebreaker after, after they saw my junk, you know, it's like, ah, all right, it's junk, you know? So it, it was, it was, it was that easy for me in the sense that, yeah, you know, well, 19, 20 years old, junk, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's good with it. We're good with it. So let's not look at it. But that was, <laughs> that was. You just that answered was, so many questions. I always wondered how those things happened. Like, I mean, are you naked? Are you, you know, because it's like when you go to a massage, you don't know. Do you take your underwear off? Do you not? You never know what to do. And I mean, you just went for it. I like that you went for it. I'm very proud of you that you went for it because I think I would have done it. But there, but I also would have been very frightened. Like that would be a nerve wracking thing. Like, do you accidentally get excited? Does the girl get scared? Like, I don't know. I would be, I would probably, but the answer to the question that I, that I had in my mind, Eric, was you drink half a fifth of vodka before you do it. And then you don't worry about it. So that, thank you. (laughs) The reason everybody was in the room was because of, uh, of Liz, I'm sure. Yeah. That's why they were piling in. Did you come out naked and she still had clothes on? She, uh, she, she, uh, had her, had panties on, but she was lying in bed. She got the lie in bed with the covers on her. I, cause she was under the covers when I came out and I said, where do you want me Lee? And, and he said, okay, Eric. And I was on top of her and you know, whatever, and <laughs> this or that. And, um, really tame stuff. It's not like we are, you know, breaking yeah, the bed yeah. frame, but, um, which would have been, uh, desirable, but. <laughs> never, never like, really no but the idea of getting hard or excited on this is absolutely a no-go because it's just there's two i'm not that kind of guy i mean i where you can just zone out everybody like you know and just like think of how yeah, hot yeah. she is like i'm getting hard here buddy you know it just doesn't <laughs> it's too much there's just too much i'm i'm too aware of my surroundings I'm, I, I can't be like one you know like ron jeremy like oh you know no, I, I'm, whatever I'm, let's I'm let's get some wood that. here you know <laughs> <laughs> that was a night it was that's uh, how i first met liz was um 
coming out of a bathroom naked. And so oh, that man. was, yeah. And then, but we did have that other scene on the sidewalk and then I strangle her and all that. But that was, I think the next, next day or wasn't sure the sequence anymore, but um, that was my foray into meeting Liz Caton. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's nice that they shot the lovemaking scene before the strangling scene. That's good. <laughs> yes. Mother Superior! I've got a present for you! So, a lot of the reason why this movie continues to endure is just the, of course, the very famous five minute rampage with your blue sweater that you go on. Uh, during the climax of the film. So just set the record straight for us. Where did this garbage day line come from? Was this actually something that was written down or was this ad-libbed or where did that come from? Good. Yeah. Um, thank you. I was just drinking some water here for the, those that aren't watching. Uh, um, the garbage day line was in there and I never got to talk to Leah. Like, how do you want this? Is this more of a Clint Eastwood? Is this understated? Is this kind of, but because of the sequence of events leading up to that garbage day. Oh, by the way, the blue sweater, that was a Kmart blue bin special with the light on. Literally, we had $50 for wardrobe. And I went with this, I don't know, uh, wardrobe girl to the Kmart in Hollywood. And um, but she found some slip on shoes that we see in Bloom's thing in the beginning. And two of the blue sweaters, because there were two. <laughs> Uh, the cheapest acrylic sweater you can imagine. And I was like, I I, I got to admit, I was like, well, I want to look good in this movie. Can I just wear a T-shirt the whole time? <laughs> and uh, I was like, blue sweater, what? And so I was like, Ugh. And, and so, but the point is, is that blue sweater was five bucks. And so just the, that's the blue sweater. But the better question was, what the hell was a garbage day and line and all that? But understand i'm walking down the sidewalk with liz we do the chip scene i th all this is all one day walking down the sidewalk talking to liz real calmly a better scene for me <laughs> not crazy yet yeah um chip uh electrocute jumper cables and uh and then off to killing her and then rent a cop barney fife bit him in the head and then we broke <laughs> yes. to do the stunt scene with the Chevette, the red Chevette, and and uh, Spiro's uh, uh, subs for me on that, the stunt guy. And um, yes, the car just missed him by an inch. And um, and after we broke for that, they did lunch, and then we went into garbage day. But at some point, Wes, and it's a good question because. At about the point of, of, of Kenny McCabe playing the, the, the rent-a-cop and shooting him in the head, the um, I said, well, God, this is completely full-blown. I mean, I'm just electrocute, I strangle, I blow his head off. I said, this thing's just, I mean, this guy's off the chain at this point, isn't he? So, so it, it, you know, if it was out of context and we did Garbage Day on its own, would it have been Garbage Day? No, because I it was just kind of a confluence of psychotic events. <laughs> and then we have, boom, and we have Garbage Day. And then the guy walking out with the garbage can and, I, and autopilot. I was on autopilot, and I I don't think we did two takes. I think we did a take, and then they – I know Lee said, okay, now walk away from camera, go down over that hill, and then – 
we're going to keep the camera rolling and want you to turn around and come up the hill. As you come up that one hill, it, it's you're going to come into view, and I want you to just be maniacal and crazy and come back toward camera. So the garbage day, that's right. We had the little girl bumps into him. Mm -hmm. he, he has some dialogue, but basically I'm walking away from camera, way down, and then 100 yards, and then back up. So to answer your question, I know I was long-winded, but and it, it just it needed to be pointed out that that was a culmination of other uh, of craziness to that point. So to me, it wasn't out of the ordinary. But when I look at it now, it's going, huh? <laughs> 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 but um, it's what got 10 million hits, right? <laughs> so, right. So. right. Eric, you'll like this. Wes told me this today. Wes, what, what is the what's the number one comment on YouTube about that clip? Actually, I've shown several people over the last few days because I was telling them, I was like, hey, you know, Eric is coming on the show. And, you know, they're like, I don't I don't think I'm familiar with the, the garbage day stuff. I was like, let me show you. And so I started reading the comments for the first time. The number one comment <laughs> on there is under the video. Someone said, I bet this guy's wife said, you know, it's it, is it going to kill you to take out the trash just once? <laughs> <laughs> and so I just imagine that it's like the 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 wife was was upset at him, was nagging him to take the garbage. It's not going to kill you. And then he goes out there, and then there you are in your blue sweater, and you blow him away. It just makes me just crack up. Yeah, it's funny. I, I never heard that angle on it, but yeah, just think, you know, take the damn garbage. <laughs> you're waiting for him out. But you know, as much as as everybody loves the the garbage day scene. Uh, or the line, you know, from that rampage. I really think that my m favorite part of that is whenever that random guy just comes out of his house and he's like, hey, what's all this noise out here? And then you just shoot him. Blood goes all over the house. And then you call him a mother effer. And I just lose it every time because it's just <laughs> so it's just so random. You know, it's just uh, that that's one of my favorite parts. You know, you have that. You've got the garbage day. Like you said, a stuntman almost gets smashed by an out-of-control car. You electrocute somebody with jumper cables. You know, were all of these crazy things just on these one-pagers that they were handing you, or was any of it, did y'all come up with it on the spot? No, it was all the ideas of Joe, or Lee and Joe, the, the, the whole thing to them. As you know, if you look at the movie more in an analytical focus uh, of of the shots and, and close-ups and how Lee shot this. He was Lee's main focal point on this was what trick shots can I do here? Well, how can I make this look cool? How can this be this or that? How can we get the most out of this? It wasn't, and Lee has confided in me since he said, Eric, I've never bothered talking to the actors. He said, I did that. I, I, I directed other movies prior and won awards and he got the, Steven Spielberg award as a young director. I mean, he had a lot of stuff. He did a movie after, but he just, he didn't bother with the actors. He said, look, I just always let them do what they do. Um, so there wasn't any direction, but rather he, he focused his energy on, on things that mattered to him. What the, the, the camera, you know, dual focus and yeah. trick shots and, how he can pan to this or that, whatever the case is, that's where he, his, his, uh, strengths lie. 
And uh, it shows, if you look at that movie, uh, how seamless it is from the 83 to 87 and how he made that work, um, it's to be applauded. It, that wasn't, it might look easier. It's like, oh, you know, he just tacked on some scenes, but there's a lot there that had to be worked out. And Lee, that's where his focus was. So um, I, everything, with the, you know, the motherfucker thing of, of shooting him, that was the line I threw in. Because it just didn't seem that he, he had to say something, and it didn't you know, seem right for him to die without a couple of cuss words. It was just, yeah. it was just perfect. I just thought it was so funny because he's and just makes, coming out hearing gunshot. He's like, "What's what's going on?" And then you just shoot him and they call him that. And I just, I, I, I again, I like it just as much as the garbage day line. And I, I never understood the garbage day because, well, it's just so over the top. It's me. I'm like, oh no. But <laughs> I kind of like the umbrella gag. Earlier, or is it yeah, earlier? Yeah. yeah, there's a so I, I prefer that yeah, was Frank Novak and Lenny Rose. And Frank was a big bull of a man, Jesus, was he about 240? <laughs> and he kept not, big dude. yeah, yeah. There's a point where he comes up and he kind of bumps into me and he keeps bumping. And I'm, uh, I don't know what it was, 195 or something, but I wasn't 240. And uh, but he was just knocking me off my marks, knocking me off my marks. I said, Frank. <laughs> I said, uh, I said, I'm just this little guy. I just, you know, don't knock me off my marks, okay? <laughs> and so he, he kind of eased up on me in one of those takes. And uh, but um, I got used to it. I kind of like it's right when I knew he's going to hit, bump into me. I kind of leaned in so I couldn't be knocked off my feet. But he was a huge, one of those guys, you know, just naturally huge and strong. So um, he's I nice ask guy. You, Eric, did you actually pick him up in that scene with the umbrella? Well, you know, no, and and he was that strong. What, how that came to be? You'd think he was on cables or he was on something. Or how the heck did he get pushed up the side of a, of a wall? I, you know, I did my part, maybe twenty pounds worth, or whatever. I, you know, but he, what he did, he, he was on top of a apple box or two, maybe an apple box and a half. You know, like like a milk crate and a half a milk crate, and but his knees were bent. And uh, and but when it came to be that I push him up the wall, he just he just st stood up. Ah, but that's not so easy in the sense because he was down there for a long time. It wasn't like he just bent down. OK, good. Five seconds later, he's he's you know, he's doing a squat, so to speak. But he had to push his own body weight up against a jagged uh, brick with the trench coat on, you know, over and over. And but he made it look like I just. He made me look it like I good. was that strong. <laughs> yeah, you know. So, um, if anybody's if anybody's watching or that hasn't watched Silent Night Deadly Night two, I'm going to read you two of my notes from my first watching during that scene. Um, any girl would be lucky to find a man that looks at an umbrella the way Eric looks at that umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> That's note number one. Number two is the good thing the umbrella manufacturer should know is they made a good product still works after stabbing somebody through the chest and good thing for him. He doesn't get rained on. <laughs> there was uh, originally at the end of that umbrella, they put entrails on it. They stuck like his colon on the end. <laughs> so there's this colon hanging off the end of that. <laughs> the, I think uh, they should have left that on. They couldn't. That was just too gory. It was too, it was just to get the rating, they you know, too much, too much, right? Yeah. But it was, originally, it was way more gory and dripping bloody colon. And, and, but, and then the whole shower, that whole water, that the raining thing was just a, 
it was a galvanized metal pipe with a bunch of holes drilled in it and they had a garden hose hooked up to it and when the time came they turned water on it just it was just like a shower you know that came down but i mean everything was just a cheap gag <laughs> but it seemed to work and um yeah i i like that whole scene so i it was night and it just it worked yeah thank you sounded like some squirrel getting its nuts squeezed well eric you know obviously this in your only role i'm sure you get tired of talking about the movie you know over and over again and you'd been acting several years prior to this several years after you and i were talking the other day and i was like hey i saw your clip uh the, the clip, one of the episodes you were in for In Living Color, which a lot of people yeah. knew that show. What was that experience like working with the Wayans brothers? Uh, Damon Wayans was great. His brother, uh, uh, Keenan, who hired me twice, I think, for the show, for another another show he, I did after, only because I got the one. He remembered me. But um, that was a good gig. That was that I, I showed up, and it was, and, and, and that particular, uh, there was a lot more, di- there was, it was pretty racy back then on that show, and they had those those censors on the on on the sets on Fridays to make sure that what they could say, what they couldn't say, what needed to be cut. <clears throat> Damon Wayans was really kind of pissed because some of the best dialogue in that Men on Film skit was was cut and cut and cut, and he was just <clears throat> excuse me, he was really kind of getting upset, and so was that David Allen Greer because they were just they had all these. It was sexual innu- innuendo in a, in a gay themed way that would never work today, <laughs> but but they just had tons of tons of other. Uh, I had more line. I had five lines because it was considered five lines or less, and I had I ended up on one line. But I came into that audition. Uh, I was in shape, and uh, I was tan, and I came in. It was 20th Century Fox. I came in, and it was uh, every actor in the world between 18 and 26 was there. Literally. And, uh, but I came in, I just, they asked me to, they, they wanted to have come, oh, it was some, say some lines in French or whatever, or with a di- accent. And, but I, I just took my t shirt off and, um, I, I walked in with a, I don't know, what, what do you call it? A platter or a, a, a drink tray? Yeah, a serving tray. And, you know, um, with glasses on it, because they just want to see, can this guy do this? <laughs> or can any of these dumbass, bodybuilders do this <laughs> so uh uh you know because you know can we walk can we talk this is uh, sketchy when we're talking yeah. bodybuilders so so I make sure yeah i mean we're all kind of lunkheads right back then but so i just did it you know whatever and then i uh, set it down thank you put my shirt on i didn't get out of the building which was really cool because that never happened <laughs> but i they literally stopped me as i was going through the last steel doors out and uh they said are you Eric Freeman? I said, yeah. And he said, oh, um, Keenan Wayans wants to see you. And so I was like, fuck. Because, <laughs> so, you know, that was a big show <laughs> back awesome. then. Yeah, it was a big show. Absolutely. That was one of my favorite shows for a while. Yeah, yeah. And so I was real happy. Like, I get to go see the big dog. And I did. And um, he said, hey, I like what you did. And he, he says, are you available Friday? And I said, yeah. And he says, good. You're hired. And it was, you know, wow. And see, that I'll save that wow rather than wow for the movie. I sh- I'll, I'll be someone. I thought I'm going to be on a TV show that's hotter than a pistol. <laughs> now that's that was something I was like looking forward to. So 
think of my priorities. Who cares about a movie? <laughs> a movie. I'm starring in a movie. But this TV show, <laughs> it's going to be something. And I knew the men on film thing um, because they had done it before. Mm-hmm. I think. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe be- once before. But I knew it was going to be good And um, with those guys. And uh, it was really a nothing piece of work for me. It was one line I'm, or two lines or something. But it was shredded to hell. They cut it back. But thanks for bringing that up. It was, um, you know, it's, uh, I can say, well, when I, when I'm old and fat, I can look and go, wow, that guy is in shape. So, <laughs> uh, but no, I was, uh, I had, I, I did the best I could in that. And, uh, I, I think it worked. And, uh, you know, it uh, did. Yeah. It was a good scene. It was a funny show. And that was really cool. You got to be a part of it. So I wanted to make sure I asked you, but there's, Another thing that I'm real curious about, of course, a little while after this, I believe you stopped acting. You kind of disappeared from the public eye for for several years. What were you up to during this kind of public eye hiatus? I often wondered if I should tell the truth on this or not. In 1992, I had kidney disease and I was on dialysis. I was, they just, doctors had said to make arrangements, so... And I didn't accept it. I'm still here today, so I did something right. And it sucked because the bodybuilding went to the side. I love that. I still love it. And mm-hmm. and and the bot acting and every and I really thought I was going to be make it because I started working for directors again and again. And and um, I, I landed this um, a really uh, this, the Terry Terry Louise Fisher. She did the L.A. Law. She was starting her own show, and I landed this big-time episodic, nighttime episodic um, second lead in this thing, and it was just at the writer's strike. It was 88, actually, yeah, and and it was before 92. It was 88, and it dragged on the writer's strike. But, but my show that I was signed contract on to be on a nighttime show that the creator of L.A. Law made, I thought, this is it. You know, this is like buddies thinking uh, – uh, Silent Night Deli, this, is a, this was it. And I was like, oh, man, I've I got it now. Because I bowled them over in the uh, in the audition, and I bowled them over in the in the callback, and, and I did everything right. And I knew I could act, and you'd never know by Caldwell, but I knew I, 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 I repeated times I would go back, or the agent would call me and say, Eric, man, they're calling me saying, holy shit, um, this guy's great. Um, he's wrong for what we want. He should be blonde. He's, his eyes aren't blue. He's too tall, but... Thank, you know, thanks for sending him kind of thing. So I, I knew I was on the right track, but this I had, that's when I thought I had it. And the, the point is, is all of that, my my dream of all of this stuff kind of in the 90s, just I was on my back for a, a good decade and, and disappeared. So I didn't know anything about the internet or, the, you know, really, or the Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 or Garbage Day or Finding Freeman and people. It's like, it's like a bad version of James Dean. Like how popular is that guy after he's dead? It's kind of that, like, you know, I'm popular cause I'm gone and dead. And I, am I, I'm a priest in Kansas. I'm a gigolo in Thailand. I got it all. I mean, they were, they were calling me. You know? <laughs> so they were saying things about me that when I found out, but the thing is I, I got sick, I disappeared and life happened when I was making plans, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm not unhappy about it. It was a hard, you know, acting is not fun. And in, in the getting of the gig is hard. <laughs> there was a ton of actors back then and three networks and then film. I mean, there was, 
very little need for content and too much talent back then. And um, there's 300 channels today. And of course, there's more talent than ever, but there's 300 channels. So um, easier to get a job today, I guarantee it. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying percentage wise, if you want to be an actor, you're better off today than than 80s, 90s. I really appreciate you sharing that story with us. And like I said, when I when I was saying that was awesome talking about the attitude that you you had towards it. It sounds a lot like the confidence on set. Um, you just knew what you were doing, and and I kind of felt like maybe you know when you got the diagnosis or whatever, you were just like, no, that's I'm not going out like this. I'm going to fight this, and it's just it's great. You know, like you said, you're here um, all these years later and and doing good. And like Gabe commented, for those that are listening and can't see you're obviously in great shape still. So no, just thank you for sharing that story with us. Thanks for asking other, uh, I didn't mean to get, get into the Debbie Donner on that, but no, um, no, 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 not at all. No. I'm very, I'm very um, happy. Things worked out. I, 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 I didn't take no for an answer, <laughs> you know, other than that. Yeah. I, I, I did a lot of things. I set ceramic tile, a lot of, a lot of construction work and things that mm-hmm. I could do real well. So making and then I became a clinical nutritionist in the early 90s and I was working in a clinic with a doctor and I was getting people well which I'm still doing today so um, I've learned a lot I know what I'm doing now uh, but back when I got sick it was because of training like a dog and eating like a bird and and being invincible 20 year old right I'm I was called well I thought nothing can hurt me I can't I can I can exhaust myself physically and I'll still be fine. I can, I can stay lean as hell and good to go at any moment whenever they call me. But that inevitably was my demise Mm -hmm. is um, Mm -hmm. starving myself, you know, staying ripped. I was cut. I was ripped (laughs) and Mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't handsome like all these guys. So my edge was like, can I be in better shape than anyone? Because, when that opportunity comes, soap or whatever, I'm so my thing was I'm not as handsome as them, but nobody's going to look like me, and they, and that's why I got jobs I, with in living colors. It's because I just I was head and shoulders above. I was be way beyond anything they could imagine, and uh, and that you know I was like a mini bodybuilder, not on steroids. So it was that was it, I was the perfect body for television. I wasn't big, but I was big. Nobody compared me to, I looked huge. I, people yeah, say, oh, you're so big and not SND and you were huge. So no, I wasn't. I was 195 pounds. But the, the more defined you are, the bigger you look. So mm-hmm. I, had, I had them fooled. I, you know, my arms have never been big. <laughs> I've never been big, period. But the, the idea is, it's just quality. Quality will show on the camera like, and I knew that. And so, um I don't not to dwell on that, but that was my angle. I'm not pretty, so be better than them. And that was mm-hmm. that was ultimately what what took me out. But being stupid, <laughs> being a dumb bodybuilder. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, let me, anyhow, let me ask you this: What are you working on now? Are you what are you doing? You said you're working as a nutritionalist. Are you working on any movies? I I, I did something then Wes talked to me a few days back on that. I, we had full intention of doing, um, I, I had a gig to do a, 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 a horror. It was a horror anthology of five different 20 minute horror movies. And I did one, a thing called seasons, but it, they ran out of money when they came out, they came out here instead of a shooting on the East coast. And 
bottom line is, is we were to do our segment, but money was just, we ended up shooting a trailer for it. So I spent three days doing a lot of stuff for, I guess they call it a sizzler or a trailer or something to show the investors. But ultimately, um, I've been asked to do a lot of things, but they're all garbage related. <laughs> so I'm laughing because it's always something to do with a pail of garbage or something. But um, uh, <laughs> I haven't really um, ventured down that path again. I, they're kind of coming to me. And, and Tim, uh, for seasons, Tim Mellican, he just... He knew I could do things, and so he he, he thought, oh, let's give him a, a let him be a school teacher that gets bit by a, a a monster and turns into a monster, and kills all kills a bunch of its students. And so I was like, yeah, I'll, I like that. So, yeah, I'm, um, I mean, look, you sold me. I, I'd be <laughs> I'd be out in Las Vegas, ready to go with my suitcase. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, so I was happy that it was different. I said I, I was on the in my car getting asking if I want to do it, and it was like a year ago. I said, you know, that's very intriguing. I like that. Yeah, so I, I really had said yes on the spot, but I sh I should I, I don't know if I should get back into it or not. I you know I don't know where I would fit in these days. I'm you know I'm a little over fifty now, and and I don't know where I belong in the business or if I do, but. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I, I, I can't, the casting directors want to know what you've done lately. <laughs> so, yeah. so, I don't know if that'll work, but I can go, well, I, I was somebody, but that was in the eighties. And, and, but I would try to have, you know, come in with some energy. I'd be better off to say I used to be an actor and life happened and here I am again. I'm trying to, it's better to be honest. You know, if you're honest, some people are cool about that saying, you know, look, Geez, you know, here's a guy that knows what he's doing. He's been, I was on the set enough to know lights, camera, action, whatever, all this. So I may have not done the best work in two, but I, I know how that, all that stuff works. I know, I know how, how it is. I'm not going to be, you know, dumbstruck when the, when the camera comes on. So. Hello? Merry Christmas. Hello? Santa's back. Well, as we're as we're kind of winding down here, I do have just a, a couple more questions for you, and then we'll sure. uh, we'll let you go. You're probably tired of talking to us by now, but uh, after this hiatus, eventually, just like with Troll Two and other films, Silent Night, Deadly Night Two, over the years, slowly gained this cult following. People became really interested in the film again. I was telling Gabe earlier today, I would venture to say Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 is more popular today than it ever has been, you know, in the past. It just seems like it continues to gain momentum. And like you said, they started this Finding Freeman, trying to find you. When did you find out? Tell us a story of how you found out that, again, that people were looking for you and that the film had morphed into this kind of cult classic. Six years ago, maybe seven years ago, I found out. In essence... I had a, I had a Mustang, '65 Mustang that my brother was holding on for me. I, I didn't have a lot of room out here in L.A., so he had a, my car in 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 Minnesota, and he unexpectedly passed away. And so, I had to go back for the memorial. And my friend I grew up with, Med James, had said, "Hey, Eric, there's uh, 
signing Freeman and they're looking for you. And I, I didn't listen to my, I was, you know, my brother, but I came out more in the springtime and I got the car fired up and that took a little bit of time as you would figure by a car sitting around. So, um, but I was, I brought her over to med's house and that's when he said, finding Freeman, finding Freeman. Uh, you did a movie in the eighties and, and I said, yeah. And he says, a horror film. I said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he said, uh, <laughs> Man, you gotta look at this. He goes, my brother John is right down. He's he's talking to someone on Friday Freeman right now. So I went in their basement, looked, and and that's when I found out of everything. And so I'm real late to the party. But the point is, is uh, that's when when I found good and bad. I I was driving home with in the car, the radio wasn't working, and I I I dreamed up the sequel to two in my head, driving back two thousand miles. That's when I wrote Unhinged, but that is um, that's how it came to be. I was late, a latecomer, but I saw all those YouTube hits, uh, um, Garbage Day, I, uh, Finding Freeman, and I kind of gravitated in the last few minutes of looking all that and the people that acted like they were on the set and explaining the story of the movie and cr- the crazy performance of uh eric freeman and all that so it's like wow you 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 weren't there man <laughs> you were you know so i was a little bit pissed i must admit it's like yeah all right i was sucking donkey dick but you weren't there <laughs> so, you know <laughs> so sorry guys but no it's hilarious it, so it, it, you know i they weren't there they weren't they don't you know they weren't there <laughs> Don't talk like you're there. That's, I, you know, I know someone said to me, well, Eric, everyone has a voice these days. And I said, yeah, but don't lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, uh, that's when I found out. So I, I'm, a, I'm late to this party. I'm very grateful, you know, that it came back. And, and I, I would add to your thought process there, Wes, is in that, yeah, I've, I, I, in recent weeks with the reboot of SNDN and, and you know, I've kind of felt that Caldwell has single-handedly kept this thing afloat in a way. I mean, where's all the energy been? It's been with Caldwell, the blue sweater, and Garbage Day, and that's that. I mean, let's face it. No one's been talking about SNDN, and I like it. And I think Bob is – Wilson's a great actor, and he did a great job. And and, and thank you, Bob, because I I wrote on his coattails. But – Where's all the freaking energy been? Have I been keeping this thing alive? Good, bad, or indifferent? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. hundred so, you know, percent. I'm sorry, but you know, and I, I'm again, I, it sounds like I'm, you know, I'm tooting a, uh, you know, a horn here, but where, because of the craziness of the guy, because of this, because of that, and like, Oh, you got to see this. And I'm sure there's some 13 year old in the backside of Jakarta right now is playing garbage day with, with his friends and they're <laughs> laughing. So, you know, because um, yeah. I, you know, I, I know internationally, I, I know I'm, I'm liked because I get messages. I, people buy garbage cans, people, people want posters and stuff. And it's like, uh, you know, wow. So I, I buy your garbage cans. Yeah. I got, I got a mini garbage cans. <laughs> I'm, I'm out right now, but I got to get them from India, but they're galvanized garbage cans. <laughs> they're, We've got to stick around. It's a long story, but no. Well, Eric, I was gonna have I was gonna have you Actually, uh, promote your I website. So go ahead, like take please take this opportunity. Tell the audience about your website, about some of the merchandise you sell. Uh, in the event you know any of the listeners want want to get any memorabilia or anything from the website, please. 
please. Uh, oh, thanks, Wes. I, I look. I didn't mean to go that, that down the road. I, 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 I'm not one to. It's it was one of the questions accurate. I had written down. I was going to tell you to go for it anyway. So no, we're uh, we're right on track. Uh, it's uh, it's the like t h e e the ericfreeman.com. Yeah, no, I I was going to one of these conventions and I got talking with the promoter and and he said, well, you should sign garbage can lids. I said, garbage can lids? I said, no, I should have garbage cans. <laughs> and I said, you know those mini garbage cans on the back of, uh, of, of of those tow trucks when you call AAA and they show up, there's always a mini garbage can in the back. They usually have chains and their gloves and stuff in it. And I was and he goes, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, no, mini garbage can. <laughs> and so I found these garbage cans are about 10 inches tall with metal lids. And I put a sticker on the front saying it's garbage day with my likeness with a gun and so it's really stupid but the thing is you stick the, you, you put the sticker on the the can and then i i write in red paint pen whatever they want it could be to joseph uh happy garbage day you know uh see in the alley whatever so, mm -hmm. yeah. so I, I write on it and then usually i flip over the bottom on the bottom i write a lot of other stuff you know thanks for being so cool and i'm glad you like it whatever and so they get this can in the mail and it's you know it's stupid but it, it isn't stupid because it's a garbage can <laughs> so, no, it's I, it's I, I'm, I'm being contradictory in a sense but it's funny and it it i sell more cans than i do anything but you know uh, i gotta buy a bunch of them at a time and i don't i don't have any room for cans and when cans show up the big box can't show up so it's like uh you know i need room so you know eight by tens the original poster that i swiped out of that out of that theater all those years ago in 87 i rolled it up it's in the in my closet 30 years later i undo the thing and i'm looking at it. it's all cracked it's barely hanging in there i go and get it digitized and so i digitized my original poster and then made really good posters really thick of really good uh printing shop and so i sell 11 by 17s and and 24 by 36 posters so um but those go it's the garbage day guy though that's the eight by ten garbage day guy that is is the hit but people like this stuff and i was thinking For i'll get sure. a refrigerator magnet with him holding up a bag of garbage thing it's garbage day so that people can see that oh it's it's garbage day so they'll take out their garbage so i'm always thinking what can i do to make this stupid enterprise be more stupid so <laughs> <laughs> you for uh it's a silly. It's a, it, it was born from, it's good guys like you. It's Justin Paul said, I'll make your website, Eric. And I said, really? He says, yeah. So it started there and, and it, it ended up being, I'm selling merch on it. And, and, uh, but it's a, people get a hold of me. If it weren't for the website, I wouldn't, you know, these things that pop up on occasion are from people getting a hold of me through that. So wanted to you know tell the tell the audience you already told them you know they're looking into a reboot of silent night deadly night 2 you you talked about the script that you wrote called unhinge which is basically a uh, sequel for the character of codwell um and you you sent me the synopsis which was really cool and i told you i was going to ask you this question though but after all these years do you think that you could go back and do this character again if the opportunity ever arises so you can get unhinged on screen good question i i believe so my my only foray back into doing caldwell or a caldwell like character was the ricky today on the blu-ray and but and that happened very quickly i was being interviewed by justin beam for the blu-ray you know just 
interviewing Eric Freeman. And then we had to do this Ricky Today thing I wrote. It was about seven pages. And where I, that's the real Caldwell in prison still. And, and the premise is, is that the real Caldwell just saw SNDN2 and it, they were interviewing the real Caldwell and he's and he's so much like Ricky. And, 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 he's, and what did you think of the movie you just saw with the Eric Freeman character playing, you know, you and he, I loved it. So I was I was able to pretend I was the real Caldwell in order to gush and fawn over the stellar acting performance of Eric Freeman. So it was a it was a twofer. I could be self-deprecating, <laughs> but yet within a character. So I love it. Yeah. So that that was my foray into Caldwell. And I thought because I was able to channel this guy in literally seconds, because that's all we had to do it. I think I could do it. You know, I, I know I could do it. It's a, he's not hard to figure. It's, it's, but it's a good question. Normally it's like, God, because ah, there was that time I said earlier that I, I had to throw words back into the Caldwell's like, who is this mess? You know, what is this guy? And um, but I, I, I think I could dial him in. And Unhinged is one where he he's relatively normal, but then he's forced back into being he's, he's forced back into being Caldwell, if, if it, for lack of a better word. Uh, but I, I like that script. I'm I want, I'm still pushing it. I'm, I've got it. I had it at this studio. I had it at that studio. Blumhouse turned me down. Cinestate turned me down. A lot of these. And I'm and I'm and you, Wes, made a better point, like, you know. You're setting your sights too high, buddy. Go lower. Go lower. And uh, but I need to find some independents that would want yeah. to do a film for I don't know, hundred, two hundred thousand. That could. There's no talent. There's no money in the talent because that would be me. I'm not. You know, I'm not a star. And <laughs> and so there's you don't have a lot of overhead. You'd have a lot of killings, but it's a good story. And I, and the thing is SNDN's out there. They don't have a script yet. They're working on that and they're reimagining SNDN and it's going to be a big budget thing. I hope it works. Uh, Mine is, mine's all Caldwell with a great story. And I think people could, I, you know, when you think about what we have for options of how to look at stuff, why wouldn't there be a million or 2 million people willing to spend a dollar to see the resurrection of Caldwell. I mean, Christ, I'll pay for it. You need to put a Patreon out there, and I guarantee you will get investors. Uh, if you're only looking Let's for a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, yeah, put it out there. I'll help you. I, I mean, <laughs> Wes will help you create the. Fa- we'll put it on our Facebook. Yeah, yeah we'll I, do it. Our group, we'll whatever. We, we would will. love to help. To, to no, push you're it. very kind. You're very. I, I appreciate that. I it's excellent advice. I've been waiting too long. Why it took so long to come to this, the, where I'm at today, in essence, and I'll close on this, is um, I thought that the owner of the rights would um, help me out. And he, he wrote the original. He's, he's got the rights back. Scott, he just doesn't like to. He just, he just, he, it was a bastardization of his masterpiece, and uh, he doesn't like to at all. And I finally... I finally had a, you know, a hair. A, we, I let down my hair and asked him kind of, you know, are, can you help me? And it basically was a blanket. No, I've got, I got to get my thing going. I don't think he wants to take the chance of um, tainting his, his Mona Lisa. So in, in essence, uh, I weighed, I wanted the rights because of me not being a name, I'm not Colin Farrell or I'm not some mm-hmm. B grade actor. I'm, you know, I'm not a, I'm a happy has-been. So to me, I always thought I needed the SNDN. But uh, but Ricky is 
hell, he's he's a he's a celebrity on his own. So I was thinking if you said it right, if you said the return of Ricky unhinged or something, um, yeah. you know, that might just be enough because people love this guy. And like I said, you could be in Jakarta and say, Oh, the return of Ricky, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. Whoa, you know, <laughs> they'll dial in, they'll pay on Netflix for a dollar to watch or whatever. So, so, uh, you know, uh, he may have, there may be enough of, uh, Caldwell may have enough, um, uh, Whatever he may have yes. enough gravitas to, to 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 make this thing happen. I I I don't, but you know the thing I created probably does. So thanks for that. I I, I agree. I got to get it out there. But overall, I do thank you for your time, and and I know it's a you're you're big fans because it's the way out of season, and you still want to talk to me. So I'll take your advice to to heart and 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 move on this because it's never it's it's never too early and. Um, I I would have liked some interest. I, I as I said, shout factories be more than happy to distribute anything if I can make it. They will distribute it, mm-hmm. and so yep. that's, and that's big. big. Plus. That's big. That is yeah. a, you know, and that he said it directly. The, the main guy there, and it's, and so I was happy to hear that. I said, well, thank you. It really didn't sink in that uh, what he was saying, but because I, I just thought, well, who wouldn't want to do this movie? It's a great script. We could shoot it. We if it's ninety percent of what I wrote, we're we're good. We're golden. And um, I'm like everyone else. I want to be entertained. If that script was shit, I would, I would, I wouldn't even say anything. I, I, I truly believe yeah. it's good. And because I, I don't want my ass to be hurting looking at a movie. I want it to move so fast that you, and it's so funny. You rewind it and going, I got to see that again. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm with you. I'm, a, I'm an audience member first and foremost. And and uh, I, I want to entertain and. Uh, a lot of people die in the script I have. A lot of people die. <laughs> it's, it's all heinous. So uh, it's right. As yes. Caldwell's, you know, it's no guns. I'm not sanitary hitting people with chunks of lead. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm being Caldwell. So I, I can't understand why it wouldn't fly, but. Um, I'm completely sold. Like, I mean, I, I can <laughs> see why you love Die Hard. I'm a hundred percent sold. Like you could end at what you just said. And I'm like, yep, I want to see it. So we got to get it out there. So we're well, me and Wes will do our part. Don't well, worry. Well, thank you. I, I'm sorry to go on on that. I'll get going on this because, um, you know, I'm old and uh, I don't have all my hair left. So I better do it now. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I wrote this thing. My hair was brown. So, I mean, this is it's it's just it. I now realize what people talk about it. Like it took the guys that did the movie Airplane. It was the Zucker and Abrams and. And they mm-hmm. said it took them 10 years to get airplane for someone to say yes. And, and wow. it, it, they were talking about, I just heard this interview yesterday and that's why it's fresh in my mind, it, you know, and you couldn't do airplane today for nothing. Cause I'll just the content, but mm-hmm. they just, they were turned down and turned down. It wasn't that it was racy or it was, uh, uh, you know, uh, Oh my God. It, it was rather, it, we don't think this is funny or we don't, we don't get it or, you know, and, and but they persevered and they just, they kept going, but it, it was amazing to hear that that took 10 years. And, you know, I, I, I often wonder why does it take so long to get project off the ground and get made? And why haven't we seen this actor for five years? <laughs> well, it's hard to get a movie made. It's a, mm-hmm. yep. it's a, it's, it's not like they say, I love it. Let's do it. Let's get it in the can and, We'll, we'll get it on on Netflix in three months. You know, it doesn't, people just think that it's all so easy. It's got to go through a machine of people and 
and you know, you guys know all you got a hundred different voices in something and they want to tinker with it. And oh, that script, I need to put my uh, my mark on this script. And it's like, leave it alone, it's great, you know, don't touch it. But no, we got to rip it apart and we got, we have to, I have to have my mark on it. It's like everybody, it's like a dog, they all got to walk up and pee on it, you know, it's like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, independent. No. That's why you go independent. That way you can get it get it made how you want it made. Yeah, you're right. But um, that's uh, you know I, I felt better about hearing about Zucker in that in that airplane only because it it took him a decade and that thing's like an iconic. You yeah. know that's a that's One of the a funniest famous... movies ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good for him. You're you're par for the course right now. Yeah, I don't know if it's if Caldwell's getting if he's if there's a diminution or a diminishing of, of of the character and of his popularity or if he's is he is he leveling off or uh, is he well, I believe in what Wes said. It's as popular now as it is it's ever been. Well, that's good enough for me. You guys know you got your fingers on it better than yeah. I do. I'm one little guy, but I do thank you guys, and I know we've been long, but I did want to say that I I do appreciate you interviewing me and and. And more to the point, I, I, I want to tell the fans out there that I that I really appreciate that you love it. I'll, I'll take the hits on it from the guys that don't. But the people that love it, they love it. And they're in line for days on these conventions and stuff. And they just got to tell me their story. And I don't, I don't, I got to hear it too. I mean, I, and I want to, I, I, I take the time to talk to people because them telling me that their dad turned them on to it and their dad's now, you know, passed away and, and they get a tear in their eye while they're talking to me. And it's it's very emotional that they they connected with their dad even more through my movie or their daughter died of cancer. But that was a favorite movie. You know, I mean, there's stuff I hear like that or in the conventions. You just go, whoa. And I didn't realize I had this kind of impact. It, it, it is it, it has impact. So for those that are listening and you guys, you too, thank you, because I. Yeah, I know where I, what I did and what it is, and I'm I the luckiest fuck in the world. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate it, and uh, maybe we can do it again. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. Eric, we we thank you so much for being on Real Talk. You're a great sport. You're a good dude, and we really hope we get to see this character back for another round. And audience, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the show as much as we did. A couple of things we're going to ask you to do to support our efforts. One big thing you can do to help grow our show is subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Anytime we release a new episode, it'll download to your library. It'll be waiting for you. If you get opportunity, leave a rating or review on that platform as well. We'd love to hear from you. You can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at real underscore cast. That's R-E-E-L. We have a Facebook group we've really been putting a lot of work into. It's it's really fun. We We love interacting with everybody on there. It's just Real Talk, a movie podcast page. We've got a brand new Instagram page, official Real Talk podcast, ran by friend of the show, Ren Burnett. And finally, we want to thank our artist, Matthew Holland, for designing our podcast logo. And for us, that's a wrap.